60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer, and you're listening to the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice that you've been waiting for. Maybe you're intimidated by the good, the bad, and the ugly of finances. Maybe from the time you get your paycheck till the time that paycheck is done, you really haven't planned on each and every move of the money. It just sort of a little bit goes here and some of it goes to bills and some of it you're spending on entertainment. And at the end of the day, the week, the month, uh, you've run out of money, but you haven't run out of time. If that is your situation, or if you're one of these people that kind of pays bills by demand, and by demand, I mean getting a phone call or an email or somebody, you know, coming to you to your place of work and saying, hey, we got this summons here. You owe this money. You don't want to be that person, right? Well, that person is the financial zombie. You want to be the person, and I'm not talking about a lot of work here, but you want to be the person that knows the financial rules. Very, very simple, by the way. And you want to be somebody who's educated as to what those big banks, those department stores, those big mortgage companies, all of those people, you've got to know their tricks. And where do you find all this information? Right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network and SavingThousands.com. Kind of a gift back to you from Robert Palmer. And why would he do that? Well, Robert Palmer's been in the mortgage industry all of his life, and he's learned so much, and he's seen so many applications and so many credit reports that he said, I've got to do something. I've got to take my time. I've got to take my radio reach, and I've got to reach out to the people and give them the rules and help them along the way, be like a GPS in the night and help them get where they need to be money-wise so they don't have to worry about money. So they don't have to be intimidating. So today we're talking about a lot of interesting things when it comes to buying and selling homes. If you're going to be a home buyer, you really need to listen to this. And if you're a homeowner, you really need to listen to today's show because we have got a lot to cover, a lot to do with refinance. So Robert, with historically low interest rates, even with the recent quarter point bump, the rates are still very, very low. There's more and more people now asking questions about refinancing their home. So let's take the journey. Yeah, Rob, the most important thing people have to understand is is when is it beneficial to refinance, right? Mm-hmm. There's all these urban legends and myths and old wives' tales. And my personal favorite is this is one that was perpetrated by the big banks. And they tell people you shouldn't refinance your mortgage unless you can save 2%. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, first off, I want to put this in perspective. And when, they, when this came about, interest rates were at like 17 or 18%. So, yeah, if the rate's that high, you've got to save 2% to make a difference Mm -hmm. because rates are so, so high. You know, that's cutting your interest by about 10% of what it is. Well, now that rates are so low, if your rate's at 6, cutting it by 10% will be going down to 5.4, right? So the same proportion of drop is just not there. The other thing is the banks, they don't want you to refinance. You know, if you're paying them 6% today, why would they want you to pay 4%, right? That's Mm -hmm. how they make their money. It doesn't make any sense. So, so many people get hung up on this idea of, well, I have to save X percent or it's not worth it to refinance, all right? So, that's not the case at all. So, what I want to walk people through today is how to do the calculation, all right? Because it's different Mm -hmm. for everybody. It's, It's absolutely different for everybody. How to do the calculation of how much you're going to save. So, the first thing you need to figure out is what are the upfront costs of the mortgage loan? Okay, so that's the first thing we have to know. There's there's three things that go into this equation. The upfront costs on the mortgage loan, the monthly savings from the refinance, and the amount of time you're going to be in that home. Mm -hmm. So number one is let's look at those upfront costs. Now, some lenders out there, they charge crazy amounts of lender fees. You could end up paying four, five, six, seven thousand dollars on the cost of a refinance. Whatever that, that cost is will be given to you by your lender on what's called a good faith estimate or some companies use a form called an initial fee worksheet. Either way, you need to know how much those closing costs are. Mm -hmm. In the state of Florida, we have intangible tax, we have doc stamps, we have title insurance. All of these costs play in, and then you add in any lender fees, the lender's charging, and these are the upfront costs. Now, what is not a cost, but will also be listed on the sheet, is the amount of money needed to establish your escrow account. So what happens is, Rob, when you have an escrow account, the lender is going to pay your taxes and insurance for you annually. 
So they have to have enough money in the account to pay that. Sure. So if you refinance your mortgage, your mortgage in March and your first payment is due in May and your taxes are due in November, you're going to make a May payment, a June payment, a July payment, an August payment, a September payment, an October payment, and then boom, the taxes are due in November, right? Wow, yeah. So you're only going to have made six payments, but they've got to pay 12 months worth of taxes. So what happens is they have to get the difference from you up front. Yes. All right. So that's establishing your escrow account. Now, this is not a cost because what happens is your old lender has to send you a check for any money left in your old escrow account. So this is a wash. So when you're determining the cost of the mortgage loan, you take the good faith estimate or the fees worksheet and you deduct the amount of money being collected for homeowners insurance escrow and tax escrow. And this is going to leave you with the cost of the loan. So then you want to write that number down. Could be 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. It may be zero. You know, there have been some times at RP Funding where I've run specials where I paid all the closing costs, so that number was zero. Whatever that number is, you need to write that down. The next thing you need to look at is what is your monthly savings? Okay. Now, this can be a little tough too. It's not just about payment savings. All right. If you have 28 years left on your mortgage mm -hmm. and you refinance to a 30 year fixed, you're going back two years. So the payment's going to naturally be a little lower because you've added two years on to the tail end of the mortgage. So what you have to actually look at is how much interest are you saving every payment, mm -hmm. okay? Not the total payment savings because the total payment savings, if you go from a 20-year to a 15-year, a the payments can actually go up, but you're still saving money in interest. So you need to know what that interest savings is. So the way you do this is you take your loan amount, all right, and you multiply it by your old interest rate. So $100,000 loan, if I was at 6%, I was going to pay $6,000 in interest that year. If I take a $100,000 loan times 4%, I'm going to pay $4,000 in interest, right? That's the difference. Mm -hmm. So you calculate the difference between that two. So that difference is $2,000, divide that by 12, and that's your monthly savings. Or just look at it as a yearly number. I'm going to save $2,000 the first year. It costs me $4,000 in upfront costs. Therefore, it will take me two years to break even on this refinance loan. If I'm going to sell the house in 12 months, bad deal. If I'm going to sell the house in 24 months, I break even, but who wants to get a mortgage just to break even? Bad deal. If I'm going to be in that house for four, five, six, seven, eight years, now I can really save some money. So you have to look at those two numbers compared to each other. You take the upfront costs compared to the yearly savings, see how many years it's going to take you to make up the difference and start saving money, and then think about how many years you're going to be in that house. Because there are some people out there, if, if they're getting a loan with no costs and they're dropping the rate, just say 0.25%, that's still 0.25% in pure savings. If you go from a four and a quarter to a 4% rate with no costs on a $200,000 loan, that's roughly $500 a year in savings. If you're going to be in your house for 10 years, you can save a lot of money that way. Yeah. So don't don't think of any rule of thumb. There is no old wives tale of, oh, it's got to be X percent of a drop. It's got to be something that makes sense for your financial situation. And if you're going to leave that house in the next 12 months, there is no number that makes financial sense. If you're only a couple years away from paying that mortgage off, there is no number that makes financial sense, right? But if you're going to be in that house for the next 30 years and there's not very much in upfront costs, it doesn't take hardly any savings at all to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. It's a purely financial decision to make. It's upfront costs divided by yearly savings equals years to recoup the costs and then years to start saving. That's all you've got to look at. Let me ask you a question on this upfront cost uh, that we're talking about. Is that actual cash out of pocket or is that rolled into the loan or how is that equated? Either way, in most cases, it can always almost always be rolled into the loan mm -hmm. as long as you have sufficient equity. Uh, there are some cases where maybe your appraised value isn't high enough and you have to bring some of that money. In most cases, we can roll that in, but don't think that means it didn't cost you, yeah, right? You know, I think sure. people lose track of that. Those closing costs absolutely cost you money, whether you paid them out of pocket or you rolled them in. And some lenders will advertise no money out of pocket, trying to confuse the consumer into that meaning no sure. cost. All right, a true no-cost refinance is different. Like I said, we offer them from time to time as a special. It's not something we could afford to do all the time. I would go broke if yeah. I paid everyone's closing costs all the time. But from time to time, we'll run a special for my radio show listeners. We'll run a special for my TV show watchers. We'll run a special. We'll send out some coupons. And if you get one of these special deals where you can refinance with no closing costs, now you're looking at pure savings, and it almost always makes sense to take advantage of that deal as long as the interest rate is going down. So those are the main points when you want to refinance are when you have enough years left on your loan that it, you have time to take advantage of it. And then the monthly costs, monthly savings outweigh the upfront costs or the upfront costs are so low that it makes it very easy for the monthly savings mm -hmm. to outweigh. Now, something we covered in one of our radio shows a couple of years back was a lot of people are going to be inclined to say, 
hey, we've made up our minds to refi. Now let's just run down to our corner bank where we have the loan already and let's negotiate it there. Good, bad. Oh, terrible. I mean, again, <laughs> your bank doesn't want you to refinance. They want you to keep paying them the higher amount. It's, it's what they do. It's how they're built. You know, and then if you do bug them enough, they're going to be slow. They're going to drag their feet because if it takes them three or four months to close your loan, that's three or four more months they get the higher interest from you, right? And banks almost never run the specials. They'll never have a no closing cost special. They'll never give you a great rate. You know, the banks are there because they, what happens is so many people make that mistake. They're flooded with people willing to overpay and they have no incentive to make anyone a good deal. And so when you're refinancing, when you make that decision, you've got to shop around. You should call your bank. You should call a couple other companies. You should lay the, the estimates down side by side. Compare upfront costs to monthly savings because in some cases, the loan with the lowest interest rate may not be the best deal because it has very high upfront costs. You know, you can pay points up front. You can pay extra fees up front to get a lower interest rate, but is it worth it? You know, we had a customer recently we were talking to. Another lender had, we had no closing costs on the loan. Another lender did. Their interest rate was an eighth lower than ours. Okay, so their payment was uh, like $8, $8 less a month than ours. He's talking about a 30-year loan. Well, by my math, okay, $8 is like 96 bucks a year times yeah. a 30-year loan. We're not even talking about $3,000. They were charging him $6,000 in fees. Ouch. So he could never make it back up. Mm-mm. The $8 in savings over the next 30 years was still not enough to cover the excess costs he was paying. So you've always got to look at what's the best deal, what's right for you. The shorter amount of time you're going to be in the house, the more important the upfront fees are. The longer amount of time you're in the house, that you can afford to have a little higher upfront fees for a lower rate, but even then, you've got to do the math to make sure it even makes uh-huh. sense because it might not, right? So those are the keys when you're looking at deciding if refinancing is right for you. There's some other special circumstances that we're going to talk more about in uh, other segments, but maybe you need cash out. Maybe you need to tap into your home equity to use that money to do home repairs, to send your kid to college, to pay off credit card debt. So there are times when a cash out refinance makes a lot of sense. Maybe you own your home free and clear, but you'd like to have $100,000 in cash to use in the stock market, to buy a new vehicle to do repairs, again, all these different things. So that changes the equation because now it's not just about savings. It's about taking advantage of and access to your equity and converting your equity into Mm -hmm. cash, all right? So, and then the other thing we have to look at is maybe you have an adjustable rate mortgage, which eventually will start to go up. We've been in this this long period of low interest rates. Mm -hmm. At some point, they're going up. And if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, that can catch you. Mm -hmm. So that's a reason to look at refinancing. And then if you have a first and a second mortgage, it may be worth it to refinance to combine the two. Now, that formula is much more difficult to calculate, so I'd always recommend calling a mortgage specialist, talking to a loan officer, mm-hmm. so they can help you identify the potential savings by combining the two loans because the, the mathematics behind it, the equations behind it are much more difficult. One of the questions I've got is I've had a lot of friends who have gone out and they've done the refi for the purpose of cutting the years, cutting it to 15. Sometimes the payment's very close, but they've cut the number of years down to get that house paid for quickly. Yeah, another great one, Rob. Absolutely. We see people all the time. They, maybe they have 27 years left on their mortgage, but because their interest rate was higher, uh-huh. they can now do a 15-year mortgage and the monthly payment stays the same and you're cutting 12 years off your loan. You want to talk about serious yeah. supercharged savings. So I think that's always a good idea. You know, we talk about going backwards. Oh, I'm at 27 years. I'm going to go back to 30. Well, why not look at a 25-year, a 20-year, a 15-year, a 10-year? Yeah, there was a period in 2013 where we were writing a ton of 10-year loans because the rates on them were just so low, it made a lot of sense for people to take advantage of those shorter terms. And that is great because people do, as we always talk about, want to try to own that home free and clear before retirement. Mm-hmm. When you're in your 30s and 40s, you may not think that way, but when you turn 52 and you know you can go to a 10-year loan and have your house paid off at 62, it sounds a whole lot better than having a mortgage payment until you're 72, 82, or 92. So I think a lot of people look at that as they get closer to making a smart retirement decision. Or if you are younger and you have the disposable income to afford that 15-year or 10-year payment, having a house paid off, having a free and clear asset earlier in life gives you a lot of flexibility. You can always go back and borrow against it later, but because you made the right decision up front to take a shorter term and put extra money toward it, you're going to have a better financial future from that house. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And Robert, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind the folks that this company really is based on customer service and like our radio show and like our websites, everything with RP funding, with saving thousands, with every facet of the Robert Palmer family of companies is based on knowledge, based on spreading the knowledge and therefore spreading the wealth, I guess we could say. So now, folks, if you listen to the show and you have a question about something that you've heard Robert say, or you're just kind of wanting to have a conversation with somebody about a mortgage or a refinance, 
It's very simple. Two ways to go about that. One is to go to savingthousands.com. You have to spell out the word thousands, okay? Savingthousands.com. And at the very top of the page, you're going to see some little tabs that you can hit to maybe get you the information you need. But there's one tab in particular that comes to the rescue right now. And that is you have a specific question and Robert Palmer has a specific answer directed just to you. And how do you do that? At the top of the page, you'll see a tab that says Ask Robert. Here in the studios, we call it our Ask RP. So you click on that and there's going to be a form pop up and you can make out that form with your question and you don't have to worry about somebody trying to call you and getting you to commit to a home loan or anything else. It's not going to happen. You're going to get an answer back from Robert, and we may use that topic for a future radio show because if you want that information, chances are there are thousands of more people out there in the community listening who may wonder the same thing. So that's one way to get an answer from Robert Palmer. Number two is we are a company that takes pride in having the conversation without obligation. Give us a call at 855-773-8634. Our professional licensed mortgage officers always have time for you and always have time to just have the conversation, everything confidential, okay? So always feel like you're part of the family. Why? Because you are. Well, Robert, when we talk about refinance, oftentimes we're talking about changing our payment structure, but we must remind everybody that there's more than just paying off the mortgage that affects our monthly house payment. I'm telling you, Rob, this is what they're banking on, and we've talked about this. The the, the biggest enemy of the consumer was auto pay. You know, we just Mm -hmm. set our bills on auto pay, and we forget about them, and and companies know this, and they know that if they increase us slowly, that they're going to keep us, but then we wake up five, six, seven years later, and the costs are astronomical. So we talk a lot about refinancing, right? And that's one major part of a mortgage payment, but there's other serious factors that go in there as well. So even if you're not in a position to refinance, maybe you already have a great interest rate. Maybe refinancing is not the right thing for you. You can still make sure you're getting the most cost-effective mortgage payment by looking at three other parts of that payment. That's the taxes, the insurance, and possibly private mortgage insurance as well. So let's start with property taxes, Rob. A lot of people think they can't do anything about this, but this is completely untrue. You know, there are things you can do to make sure that your property tax rate is as low as possible. Uh, one, you can challenge the assessor's valuation of your home. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea is the property appraiser goes out there and sets an arbitrary value for your home. And they put this, and this is what your taxable value for the home is. Now, people don't know this, but you can challenge that valuation. And you can ask them to give you the formulas they used and the calculations they used. And you can ensure that they've got the correct square footage, that they've taken into account the age of your home correctly. They've taken into account what home prices and home values are doing in your area to make sure that you're not paying too much. Uh, we saw a period where when the slump happened, some people's homes did not go down enough in taxes, which means that now as they've come back up, they've come back higher than they should because they didn't go down low enough during the slump. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always a good idea to just ask the question. You know, there's forms you can fill out with your local county property appraiser to ask them to justify that value to you, to challenge that value with them, uh, to make sure that they are fairly assessing your home as compared to your neighbors. Uh, the other and bigger one is to make sure you get your homestead exemption. Yes. All right, we see this a lot. And this is something where the counties have become a little more ruthless about taking away homestead exemption. So what we used to see is if you purchased a home the county would kind of let you slide by leaving the old seller's homestead in place until you got around to filing for your homestead exemption. And for those of you who are not aware, homestead exemption means that on the home that is your primary residence, the home you live in, you can get a $50,000 deduction on the taxable value by claiming homestead exemption. Now, to file this claim, you have to go down to see your local property appraiser. You have to provide proof of ownership when you purchase the home, Mm -hmm. and you had to purchase it and and occupy it by December 31st, the year before. Then you have to show up with a power bill and a driver's license proving that you do, in fact, live in that home, and then you can get the homestead exemption, which will very quickly drop your tax bill. Now, if you forget to do this, if you Mm -hmm. forget to file by the deadline, which is early in the year, it's it's first quarter, it depends on county to county, uh, they will instantly take your homestead away. In some cases, they're taking homestead away the previous year because as soon as the other seller moves out, they're coming in and snatching that homestead away, which will cause your taxes to go up. So it's important to make sure that you get all of the the, uh, the exemptions and all of the reductions that you qualify for. There's also exemptions for uh, certain people maybe with blindness, certain people over a certain age, uh, military. There's other things, mm-hmm. veterans. Disabled veterans can receive large tax benefits uh, reductions in their tax bills. So make sure you're communicating with your local tax assessor and local property appraiser 
to make sure they're assessing the home with the right value and that you're getting the benefit of all of the exemptions that you qualify for. Wow. And again, people need to be educated on portability if they're moving from one place to another. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's another program for another time. It is. Portability is huge. What happens is when you have homestead exemption, it limits the amount your home value can increase from year to year. It caps how much. So even if the home value goes up 20%, if it's your homestead property, they can only raise your assessed value by 3% or 2%. There's a cap there every year. Well, that cap builds up over time. Well, to prevent you from feeling like you're trapped in a house because you've built up all that cap room on your home and your exemptions, uh, they will allow you to port that over. So what happens wow. is they will take the amount of accumulated cap savings you have from one house and move it to another house, but you have to follow the rules mm-hmm. and you have to do it properly. And you want to talk to your county about the proper ways to do this because trust me, they want you to fail because they want to collect as much taxes as possible. There you all go. Right? So the next thing we're talking about is your homeowner's insurance. Yes, sir. All right. This is a big one. You know, we got whacked with a bunch of hurricanes 10 years ago and it's still haunting us here in Florida. And so what happens is these companies will come out and they will offer very affordable homeowners insurance rates in the beginning. And then once they get a bunch of people hooked, they slowly raise the price, raise the price, raise the price. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and your insurance is considerably more than what you started paying. So I want everyone who can hear me right now, everyone who's listening, to take a look at your homeowner's insurance bill and call around and talk to three other companies. Shop that insurance around. Make sure you're still getting the best deal. Now compare apples to apples. Don't compare a policy today with a low deductible and great coverage with a new policy with a terrible deductible and terrible coverage. Mm -hmm. But you do want to make sure that a comparable policy would be similar in value. And if you can save money, then you'd go ahead and do that and replace your existing homeowner's insurance policy with a more affordable homeowner's insurance policy and then communicate with your lender to make sure that gets corrected in your escrows. And one of the things you taught me early on in our relationship is that keep your payments on that insurance. Know whether it's in escrow or know whether you're supposed to pay it because you don't want to get to the point that you get a letter from a bank that says we have now instituted and imputed our homeowner's policy yeah, on you. It's called forced placed insurance. It's extremely expensive. You've got to keep an eye on this. I think so many people just have this set it and forget it attitude and uh, you've got to look at this. Every year you get a new notice from your homeowner's company. You probably think, oh, I don't need to pay this. I'll ignore it, which is true. You don't have to pay it. But you should keep an eye on it. You should understand what kind of increases you're getting or what changes they're making in your coverage. And then the final thing that affects your mortgage payment is your private mortgage insurance, which under certain circumstances can be canceled. All right. If you've had that for long enough and if you've built enough equity in the home, you can contact your company and petition them to drop your private mortgage insurance. Now, this is usually a fight. They usually don't want to cooperate. Right. Once you get down to 78 percent of the original mortgage balance, it's easy to get it canceled when it gets tough is if your home has increased in value because now you're going to have to go out and purchase a new appraisal and then fight with the company to try to get the insurance. And there are you have, do have to keep it for three to four to five years depending on which loan program you have. You can't cancel it immediately. But even then, with home values up as high as they, as they have been recently, as soon as you hit that three, four, or five-year mark, depending on your loan type, you should be able to petition your lender to drop the private mortgage insurance. Uh, if you have an FHA loan, however, the newer FHA loans do not ever cancel. And so the only way to get rid of the private mortgage insurance on an FHA loan now is to refinance to a new FHA loan with lower mortgage insurance or refinance to a conventional loan with zero mortgage insurance. And that's something we look at with a lot of our customers is once they've had their FHA loan for two or three years, they've built up some equity. Even if the rate goes up a little bit, it's still worth it because you're eliminating that massive cost of the private mortgage insurance. And these are three big factors in your homeowner's payment and your housing payment that you can take control of and lower without necessarily having to go through the refinance process. Now, a lot of people who weren't listening to us years ago when we were on the radio together didn't understand PMI. And they thought when the bust happened that that mortgage insurance was to protect them against, oh, I lost my job, I can't make my payment. You had to go on the radio and explain that the PMI did not, uh, it didn't protect the borrower, it protects the, uh, the, the lender. Yeah, it only protects lenders. It's only to protect the lender in case of a default. The idea is if you put less than 20% down and you don't make your payments on time, the PMI company will then reimburse the lender, not you, for any losses they have by you defaulting on that loan. Uh, there is no no consumer benefit whatsoever except for having a lower down payment to PMI. Well, when we're talking so much about refinance, we must bring up the home value hotline. Why? Well, because if you don't know if you've got equity in your home... There's really no reason to discuss refinance. We got to go back to the beginning. You've owned a home for a while, and maybe your home went through that um, underwater stage. You know what I mean? Right after the meltdown of 2008, so many of us saw the value of our home decrease. 
And at some times, we actually owed more on the home than it was worth. So what happens along the way is that we've kind of lost track of what the home's valued at. We've kind of, you know, gone on to other parts of our lives, out of sight, out of mind. You know, you know the drill. But all of a sudden now, and you wake up and it's all of a sudden 2016, chances are, and chances are very, very, very good that you have equity. That's right. Chances are that you're sitting on money and not just a little bit of money. There's been some recent years where in some parts of the country, real estate values have increased just in a year's time by 14 to 16%. So you need to find out what your home is worth. You, you know what the payoff is. That's a simple phone call or a look at the coupon. But if once you know how much you owe on your house, you've got to know how much it's worth. So don't fall for the big Z. Don't fall for the Trulia. Go to a place where local real estate professionals with no obligation whatsoever will give you the information you need. And these are people in your own neighborhood, your own backyard, who help set house prices every day. And these people have agreed to work with Robert Palmer and RP Funding to help give you a home evaluation without all the smoke and mirrors, without all the tricks, without all the mailing lists that come with some of these other services. The Home Value Hotline is 866-222-8231, 866-222-8231, or go to savingthousands.com, look at the top of the homepage, and it will say Home Value Hotline. All the information is strictly confidential. Okay, Robert, let's go to the question now. I've had a house for several years. I'm thinking of selling that house. But then I sit down with you and I start talking about the possibilities of keeping my old house and having a lifelong income from rent as I buy my new house, but I rent my old house. Can we talk about that? Yeah, so it's a tough call for a lot of people. You know, they have a home. Maybe they've made the decision it's time to move on to another residence. And now you're torn with this. Do I sell my home or do I keep the home and rent it out? And we're going to kind of talk about the pros and cons of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is no magic answer. It's not always the same. It's really about, again, your personal situation. So let's look at uh, the idea of selling first. Okay. So one, selling is expensive, right? Yeah. When you sell a home, you're going to pay a real estate commission of probably 6%. You're going to pay uh, some closing costs on behalf of that buyer. You're going to pay your doc stamps and your title insurance. These are traditionally paid for by the seller in, in, in most of Florida. So it's expensive. I mean, it can be as much as 8 or 9% is gone. And the other thing you have to look at is, you know, depending on how long you've been in the house, uh, if you've lived in there, you know, if you sell it for a gain, are you looking at any possible capital gains taxes, mm -hmm. right? Once you've been in a home as your homestead for two years, you can get a nice $250,000 exemption on some of those capital gains. But if you've had it less than that, you may end up getting hit with a nice tax bill if your home has increased in value. Uh, so those are kind of the downsides. Uh, the upside is you get your money out immediately and you have no longer a headache of dealing with that house. So the alternative is keeping that home as a rental. So in this case, the idea is you're going to turn it into an income stream. Because if you continue to make your mortgage payments, eventually the home will be paid off and you can rent that home out. And if you can rent it today for a slight profit, the idea is next year the profit will be a little bigger and the year after that a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger because we know rent always goes up Yes. and mortgage payments stay the same. So even if it maybe isn't a great investment today, you know, maybe maybe that home would rent in your area for $1,200 and your monthly payment is 1000 So you've got a $200 gap there. That may not be that exciting, but maybe next year it's 225 then it's 250 275 300 350 mm -hmm. 400 500 <laughs> I mean, the idea is that rents will continue to go up, and meanwhile, your mortgage balance is going down. So you're getting in a better financial position every year that you keep this house as a rental. The downsides are vacancy. What if your tenant leaves? What if you're two or three months without a renter? Can you afford to carry two mortgage payments if that happens? What if something catastrophic breaks? All of a sudden, you have to put a new air conditioning unit in. Yeah. You have to replace the roof. These are all things you have to think about. So in the beginning, that $200 a month actually may not be any profit at all because you're only one air conditioning unit away from losing that $200 a month. But as time goes on and as the mortgage continues to pay down and as the rents continue to increase, that gap will increase until one day you wake up and the home is owned free and clear and rents could be as high as $1,800 or $2,000 at that point, and now you're making a nice living and nice retirement by retaining that home. And if you do this multiple times, you can build up a nice stable of investment properties, which can lead to a pretty healthy retirement. Mm -hmm. And and they can get the advice on that from you and also maybe having somebody to manage the property for them. Now, again, they'd have to pay for the major replacement of, of error or whatever. But the fact is, is that most people you and I know in Orlando, they may start by saying, I'm only going to do this once. But it kind of snowballs, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you do it one time and you see, hey, this isn't as bad as I thought. I mean, most I have, I have a handful of rental properties. Most tenants are pretty cool. Yeah. You know, they don't bother you. They pay on time. 
Everybody has that one horror story about some jerk who didn't pay and tore up the house. But for the most part, people pay on time. They take care of the property. And again, you're building equity the entire time they're doing mm-hmm. that. That's, they're making your mortgage payment for you. You know, I mean, again, I think there's a lot of benefit to it. So I think for a lot of people, it's a matter of sitting down with a, a professional real estate agent and understanding how much their home would sell for and then weighing that against how much the home could rent for and then deciding, do you need that money for your down payment on your next house? You know, if you have mm-hmm. no choice, if you absolutely need the money from the last house to buy the next house, you really don't have a choice in the matter. But if you're in a financial situation where you can come up with a three and a half or 5% down to buy the next house without selling the old house, it's definitely something to consider. And I think it's something a lot of people don't think about. The other cool thing is, in most cases, as long as you have good equity or depending on your loan program, you can often qualify using that rental income to offset the payment. So on a lot of mortgage loans, you can actually offset the payment and not have it counted against you if you have a renter in there making payments. There's other loan programs where you cannot. So that's important to talk to your loan officer about because you may not have enough income to support both payments if you're not allowed to use that rental income. So different things to consider there. The nice thing is when you bought that house, you probably got a very low 30-year fixed rate mortgage on it because at the time it was going to be your principal residence. Right. And then after living there for two years, you've fulfilled the obligation of moving into your principal residence. The bank can't come back and take away your very low interest rate. Oh. You know, if you bought a home in uh, in early 2013 and you're sitting on an interest rate in the 3%, three and a quarter range, you're sitting pretty. Yeah. You know, and chances are home values are up considerably since then. Mortgage rates are higher than they were then. So you get the gap. So there are people right now, Rob, that bought a house, you know, in that time period, they could rent it today for $1,400 a month and their payment's like 900 You know, I mean, it's a beautiful mm. situation. So you've got to think about, do I really want to sell a house if I have such a below market interest rate on it? Because you're getting the arbitrage. You're getting the gap between current interest rates, which are driving rents up, and the fact that your rate is lower than market and fixed for 30 years, and you can take advantage of that. Your bank doesn't want you to. They want you to sell and go so they can get their money back and loan it to somebody else at a higher rate. But as a smart consumer, you can take advantage of that gap, and it may make sense to keep that as a rental property. You know, Robert, a couple of times on the show today, we've mentioned the uh, SavingThousands.com website. So I think we ought to maybe explain a little bit to the people what that site's all about. After you developed this wonderful Saving Thousands radio network, it was time to put our information online. And boy, do we have a great staff to do that. We got the people that know all the bells and whistles of the internet, and we've got the people that do great research that can write some phenomenal articles to keep you all up to date on money. That's right. And again, we're not talking about Harvard physics here. Again, we're not talking about the World Monetary Fund. We're talking about you and me, people who get paid once, twice a month. What do we do with that money? How do we handle it? Are we empowered? Are we the master of our money? Or are we being pushed around by the tricksters, the pranksters, the bankers out there that are all after our money and fees? Well, once we know the rules, and we'll find those at savingthousands.com as well, we are empowered and we can move through life in charge. And so that's what it's all about. So savingthousands.com, it is a collection of articles. It's also a collection of past radio shows archived by date or archived by theme so that you can actually go to savingthousands.com and you can listen to past radio shows. And if there's something that sparks your attention, then you can also on that same website, ask Robert, you can follow up with something that you might've heard on the radio. Maybe something you heard over the water cooler at work has piqued your curiosity and you want to know more about it. Well, there's no cost. There's no obligation to go to savingthousands.com, read up on it, and ask Robert at your will. You can ask him any question you want. Just simply go to the Ask Robert section at savingthousands.com. Well, Robert, along the way, we've been talking refi today, but we haven't talked about the all-important cash-out refi. The cash-out can be huge. Yeah, so here's the beautiful thing, Rob. Let's say you have a financial need to get your hands on some cash, right? Maybe you have a large retirement account, but guess what? If you tap into that, you're going to pay income tax. You're going to pay penalties. Maybe you have your money tied up in the market and you hate to liquidate some of those stocks because the market's been performing well, or maybe the market's underperforming on your stocks and you need to stay in them until they can come back. You know, maybe your money is tied up in CDs that you would have costs in liquidating. Well, if you've got equity in your home, it may make sense to take out and do what's called a cash out refinance. This is where you have a low or maybe no loan balance and you have a significant amount of equity in your home. You can borrow up to 80% of the appraised value. So if your home is worth $300,000, you could get a loan for up to $240,000. 
So if you currently owe two hundred, you'd pocket the forty thousand dollar difference. If you currently owe zero, you'd pocket all two hundred forty thousand dollars. But here's some of the cool keys of why getting your cash from a cash out refinance on your mortgage may be a good strategy. Uh, number one, the money you receive is tax free, right? This mm-hmm. is not taxable income. This is borrowing. So that two hundred forty thousand dollars is non taxable. If you took it out of an IRA or a retirement account, you would not only pay tax on it, you would also pay penalties for early withdrawal. If you took that out of CDs or stocks, you may pay penalties for liquidating early. Life insurance may have penalties to liquidate early. So taking the money from a cash-out refinance is not taxable. The other nice thing is the new mortgage payment, the interest you're making, that interest is tax-deductible for most people. So again, as long as you're writing off enough to have your itemized deductions on your federal tax return, you can write off the mortgage interest on this cash-out refinance of your primary residence. So it's a great way to get your hands on cash, lock in a super low interest rate. You know, we're at a time now, Rob, where rates are at historic lows. So a lot of people that we see taking cash out, they're doing it because they believe rates will be higher in the future. Mm -hmm. So if you can borrow $240,000 at 3.25% today, how much will you be able to invest it at four or five years from now, Yeah. right? And then when you combine that with the potential for our specials we run where we have no closing costs on a refinance, and now you can get your hands on this money with absolutely no costs, no penalties, no nothing. So at RP Funding, we never charge lender fees. And then from time to time, we'll offer specials where we'll pay all the closing costs on our refinance. And if you're lucky enough to be around and looking and take advantage of one of those, you can get your hands on this cash out with absolutely no upfront costs, making it the cheapest and easiest way to get your hands on a large sum of money for Mm -hmm. future investment. One of the things that you and I talked about back when we started resuming our conversations on refis was during the bad years, a lot of people built up those credit card uh, the credit card limits all the way to the top. So they're sitting on maybe twenty five, fifty thousand dollars in debt on their credit cards, paying eighteen percent, nineteen percent, twenty percent, plus penalties, plus the holding charges, when they could get this money and pay those off and not have that negative going against them every month. That's right. And two, once you do that, the credit card companies will come back and start making you better offers because they lost you. You know, that's the amazing thing. When you have all that debt, they start raising your rates and giving you penalty yeah. rates and, and, and really messing with you. If you do a cash out refinance on your home and pay off all that credit card debt, all of a sudden the credit card companies will start throwing low interest rates at you again, low APRs at you again, which can help your overall financial situation. Your credit score will also increase. So carrying a large balance on a credit card hurts your credit score. Carrying a large balance on a mortgage does not. All right, wow. So there's two keys there. So a cash out refinance can, in some cases, help improve your credit score if you use that money to pay down other revolving debts. What else can we use the money for? We could take care of student loans. All right. Mm-hmm. We could take care of maybe college tuition instead of having to have student loans. We can take care of repairs on the home. Maybe you want to add a pool, do an addition. Maybe the roof needs repairs. Maybe you need new kitchen cabinets and new flooring. All these things can be taken care of through a cash out refinance, paying off other debts, paying off car loans, purchasing new cars. Uh, purchasing additional real estate. You know, we'll see people take cash out of their home because they want to buy a vacation home somewhere or they want to buy a piece of land somewhere. And instead of financing the new home, it's easier to pull the cash out of their current home and then they get to get to buy the new home as a cash buyer because they've already got their money and they're ready to go. All right, so these are all important strategies to keep in mind. Also, some people are taking it out for future investment use. They're, you know, with rates as low as they are, there are people who think they can earn a better return in the market by investing that money than what they're paying in interest Mm -hmm. now. And while today bonds and investments may not be paying very much, that will not be the case forever. And if you have a 30-year fixed rate loan at a low rate, if five or six years from now you have that cash and rates are higher, it's pretty easy to turn that into a nice profit. So Mm -hmm. these are all reasons that people look at doing a cash-out refinance in order to convert the equity in their home into cold, hard cash. And you can do it with us here at RP Funding, and there's never any lender fees. And from time to time, we even run specials where there's no closing costs at all. I truly like one other facet of this, Robert, before we wrap up the conversation, if I may. And that is, there's a lot of people over 62 that aren't considering this as a way to access more money. They're looking too much at other types of loans, but they ought to consider this too, right? Absolutely. You know, even if you if you weren't comfortable with the payment, I and mean, maybe you know, you're know you on a fixed income, you could take the cash out and use a piece of that to make the payment every month. You know, then you'll have your free cash and you can use the difference to make the payment. There's a lot of strategies you can do, a lot of creative things that can be done by accessing the equity in your home. But what makes it all possible is how ridiculously low interest rates are right now. If rates weren't this low, if money wasn't so cheap right now, we wouldn't even be talking about this. But the fact that mortgage rates are just so ridiculously low means you as a consumer can take advantage by locking those low rates in for the next 30 years and getting your hands on some much needed cash today. Wow, this hour is passing by quickly. You're saving thousands. 
with Robert Palmer. And Robert, I love it when we sit down in the studio and we give out this kind of information, information that people can put their arms around, information that they need in their life to save more, to have more, and to get more of a house. I think that everything Robert has talked about today is going to help you make sure that you have more money going to a house than going into interest or going into fees. I mean, it's as simple as that. If there's only so much money at the beginning of the day to buy a home and to pay for that home, the fees, all of the different things that come between you and the house literally do come between you and the house. Because if it costs money, that's less of a house you get or less of a house you have during the years. Because if you're paying out a lot, you can't afford to go back in and put in those granite countertops or that brand new pool or take down a wall and make a great room. But if you have the proper power over your money, you'll have those things along the way. So we've talked about getting a refinance. We've talked about home ownership. We've talked about buying and selling real estate in the past couple of shows. But Robert, let me go back to the typical scenario. Okay, here, here, here's what happens. You have a family that listens to our shows and they decide that they want to buy a home. So what happens nine times out of 10? Well, they get in the car, they drive around town. They know a kind of an area of town they want to be in. You know where I'm going with this, Robert. So they go out there and they look for a real estate sign. They call the realtor. They set up a time to look at the house. They fall in love with the house. They start talking about how great life is going to be there. They start dreaming about it, talking about it, sharing it with their friends. And then they try to make an offer and the owner may accept the offer. And then they go to a mortgage company. Oh, wait a minute. I think they've gone in the wrong direction. How about that all-important pre-qualification? Yes, I think one of the keys is, I think we all know, we've maybe all heard this term in case someone has not, pre-qualification is the idea that you should not go out there and shop around for a home and put a deposit down in a house and write a contract with a seller if you are unable to get financing. You know, that's the purest form. I think a lot of people today think, oh, I have to get pre-qualified because my real estate agent's going to make me. Well, the reason the real estate agent is making you is because they don't want to waste your time or their own. And if more buyers understand that pre-qualification is a huge benefit to them and they buy into it, you know, that's important to understand. You know, again, the, the last thing you want to do is go out there and, and fall in love with a house, right? And you put down an earnest money deposit and you write a contract and you show your wife and you show your kids and you're all excited. And then you call a mortgage company and guess what? You can't get approved. What are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Unless you're a cash buyer, unless you have $200,000 laying around in your savings account, you're not going to get that house. And so now you've wasted a lot of your time. You've wasted a lot of emotional energy as well, getting excited about the idea of buying this new home and you no longer qualify. So one of the things buyers make a mistake of is the timing of the pre-qualification. A lot of buyers wait until the real estate agent requires one, requests one. Well, you may have already invested 10, 15, 20 hours of your life online looking at houses, riding around in your car looking at houses, looking at houses with the real estate agent. And now that you're ready to submit an offer and actually make a a contract, submit a contract, now they want you to get a pre-qualification letter. And again, it's not about the letter. It's about going through the process to know that you can be qualified for a mortgage. And so what if you get the no now? You know, you've already invested all this time in your life. So the most important thing, I think, is that people go through this pre-qualification process as early as possible, even before they start looking online, before they start riding around real estate agents, because another heartbreak, maybe you may go fall in love with a house that costs $220,000 and all you can afford and all you can get a financing for is a $180,000 house. Well, now you've wasted all this time looking at houses you can't afford. Mm -hmm. And the only way to know is to get a pre-qualification. And that's absolutely free. Most lenders are not going to charge you a dime through that. We don't at RP Funding. Uh, If someone does want to charge you up front for pre-qualification, I would probably run because there's plenty of lenders that are not going to do that. They're going to pre-qualify you for free. But the other thing is, is is how strong is that pre-qualification, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of buyers look at this as just something they have to do. Oh, I have to get a pre-qualification letter. I just want that house. I don't want to mess with a pre-qualification letter, but my realtor says I have to get a a pre-qualification letter. Again, if your pre-qualification letter is bogus, you're just going to hurt yourself in the end. So a lot of people will go with a lender who will give them an easier pre-qualification letter to get. And by easier, they don't ask you for anything, right? They they get you on the phone, they ask you a couple questions and say, okay, sounds good to me, here's your pre-qualification letter. And what happens is that letter isn't worth the paper it's written on. Mm -hmm. And so as you get further down the process, one day you wake up and it may have been easier. You may have saved the hassle of having to send in some documentation up front, but how hard is it going to be to look at your family and say, oh, you know what, we actually don't qualify. You know, my, my mortgage guy never asked me for my tax returns up front, and now here we are a week before closing, and all of a sudden the mortgage company is very interested in seeing a copy of my tax returns, and, oh, I have that business loss on there they didn't know about. Oh, now I'm declined. 
right? So the key is you want a strong pre-qualification letter. And so for this reason, I've built a process at RP Funding where we have what we call a validated pre-approval, a validated pre-qualification. So what happens is when you have the initial conversation with your mortgage loan officer, your licensed loan originator, who is going to issue the initial pre-qualification, we then have a second department that goes behind them to make sure that you qualify. And that second department wants to look at your tax returns, your W-2s, mm-hmm. your pay stubs. And a lot of customers will say, well, Robert, I don't want to give you all that today. I just want a pre-qualification letter so I can go make an offer on this house. Okay, but what happens when you give me that documentation a month from now when you're ready to close and you don't qualify? So it's important for you to understand as a home buyer that you want a strong pre-qualification letter, a strong pre-approval letter. You want a lender who asks you for documentation front because trust me, they're going to ask for it eventually. Mm-hmm. There is no lender on the planet who's going to give you a loan without seeing tax returns, W-2s, pay stubs, bank statements. But if they're not willing to invest their time with you to look at those di- documents up front and items up front, you're just going to hurt yourself in the end because what do they what do they waste? Mm-hmm. They spent three minutes on the phone with you. When you don't close, they don't care. But you've now spent hours and hours and looked at houses and written an offer and made plans and maybe paid for an appraisal and paid for a home inspection. Do you really want to do all that? without a strong pre-approval to make sure you truly do qualify for the home loan. In the real estate market, let's take Central Florida, for instance. If people know that RP funding is going to all these links to make sure that they're getting a very strong pre-qual letter, is the realtor more apt to take that offer over one that comes from uh, who knows where, you know, Jack's Mortgage Company down on the corner? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. We, we set out to, I said, you know, how can I help my home buyers win more of these houses? Because yeah. there were times in past years where there was a lot of multiple offer situations. You would have five or 10 home buyers fighting over the same house. And, and well, who's, who's going to get that contract? And we said, you know what? Because we have a strong brand, because we're a household name in Central Florida, that seller and that selling real estate agent both recognize that we're a reputable local lender who's going to close on time. Mm-hmm. And you combine that with a validated pre-approval letter. This is a step up. So we'll give anybody the pre-approval letter, but then the next step up from that is a validated pre-approval, which is what tells the seller that you cooperated with us, gave us all your documentation, and got the validated pre-approval. And when one of those slides across a seller's desk, all right, they get accepted. And my proof of this is that the number one loan, right, that, that sellers are scared of is an FHA loan, mm-hmm. right, Rob? Because to a seller, FHA says, Oh, this customer isn't putting 20% down. Right. Oh, they may have a credit ding. They may have a little bit higher debt-income ratio. Why are they getting an FHA loan? I've always heard FHA loans are, are bad. It's bad to sell to someone with an FHA loan. This is what sellers think. All right. Well, we're the number one FHA resale lender in Orange and Seminole County, which means wow. that residents of Orange and Seminole County will accept the RP funding FHA pre-approval letter more times than anyone else's. And that's the pre-approval letter you want to have. So the toughest type of loan out there, the one that sellers are most skeptical of, our pre-approval letter gets accepted and turns into a closed loan more times than any other lender. That's the letter you want because Mm -hmm. we've done a good job of educating the seller. I talk about it on my radio shows. I talk about it in our, our TV campaigns. I talk about it on our direct mail campaigns. We are educating the seller that when a home buyer shows up with an RP funding validated pre-approval, it's the real deal and they can accept it. And Rob, once we rolled out that validated pre-approval process, the number of loans that we denied later in underwriting was cut by like 75%. That's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Less than 4% of our loans get denied in underwriting, where the industry average is closer to 20%. That is major. What do people need to start gathering out of the shoeboxes and the file drawers when they get ready to call RP funding and make that initial call that, hey, we want to pre-qual? Yeah, I think, you know, you can call us. Just just pick up the phone yeah. and call. Let's have the conversation. We can walk you through the documentation, Rob. It's so customer-specific. Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you have a oh, W-2 yeah. job? Are you self-employed? Maybe you have a W-2 job and you have an eBay business on the side. You know, maybe you're retired. Maybe you have pension income, stock income. Maybe you have child support income. Maybe you pay child support income. You know, there's already yeah. so many different scenarios. So my recommendation is pick up the phone and get on the phone with a, a licensed loan originator and, and have the discussion. One, they're going to help you figure out how much you qualify for. The last thing we want is you going around shopping for houses that are 250000 when all you can get approved for is one hundred and eighty. All right, there's a big gap there. So step one, we're going to help you figure out how much you qualify for. Step two, we're going to give you a list of the documentation we need to see to verify that the income you're telling us is correct. We're going to take a look at your credit to make sure you don't have any excessive debt. You don't have any old you know, problems sneaking around out there that may affect your interest rate. We can do all this very, very early in the process. So if there are problems, there's plenty of time to fix it. We can say, hey, you can't afford 250 You can afford 180 Now you can go out and set your expectations correctly. All right, we're going to give you a list of documentation. It's going to include things like pay stubs and W-2s and bank statements. We want to make sure you have the down payment and you have secure income to do that. 
We're going to take a look at your credit. Uh, we also go ahead and run a public record search up front to make sure there's nothing out there haunting you that maybe you don't know about. And by doing all this up front, we make sure that we give you a valid pre-approval and that we don't waste your time in going out there and home shopping. It's not about wasting our time because I may spend, 50, you know, if you don't give me any documentation, I may have spent 15 or 20 minutes with you. You know, when you use the, the systems I have in place, I'm going to now invest hours of my time in making sure you're successful. But we still have borrowers that look at us and say, oh, you guys want too much paperwork up front. This other guy over here, he said he'll give me the pre-approval letter with nothing. Was that the pre-approval letter you want to go shopping with? <laughs> if you were a home seller, would you want to accept the home the pre-approval from the company that didn't want any documentation up front? Okay. So I really want buyers to understand the pre-approval is for your protection more than the seller's. You know, And by asking for documentation, it's for your benefit, not for mine. I'm going to waste a whole lot of time now on someone who may never even buy a house. But we're willing to do that because we want to make sure that Central Florida homeowners are absolutely as successful as possible and that we can continue to have that strongest pre-approval in the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, one of the things, too, just to, just to wrap it all up in a nice package is I want people to know, from my point of view, as, as being around Central Florida for over 40 years now, RP funding is a friendly place. I don't want people to be intimidated by the process because every day you walk people through this because then it's a win-win. They win by owning a house. You win by doing the loan. And everybody walks away happy. You know, and even if we do have to give you bad news, if you call us and we, we can't help you get pre-approved today, we're going to help talk to you about steps you can take, about things you can correct. We're going to help put you on that path to home ownership. You know, your, your phone call to us is completely confidential. You know, we're going to pull your credit for free. We're going to help talk you through maybe some things in your life that are, that are right for buying a home, maybe some things that are wrong. But the most powerful thing you need as a potential home buyer is knowledge. And we're going to give you that knowledge right here every time at RP Funding for absolutely free. That's right. So make the call anytime at 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. Again, a no-obligation conversation. The people that work at RP Funding and the people that work in the Robert Palmer family of companies have all been chosen number one for their customer service ability and knowledge. If you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't know how to treat people, you're not going to work here. I can guarantee you that the people that work for Robert Palmer are always graded on their customer service. Oh yeah, we know the jobs we're supposed to do, but having that knowledge, this company expects us to treat the people as we would ourselves, as we would our best friends, as we would our family members, and sometimes even better. So we want you to know that when you make the phone call at 855-773-8634 from the person who answers the phone, to the person that you talk to. And if you continue the conversation on to a business transaction, you're going to see that every single person is dedicated and they're reviewed upon and they're critiqued upon customer service. So as Robert said, don't worry, call the company without obligation. You can also call the home value hotline. Everything's confidential. The information is much more accurate than the big computer companies trying to get your business because the home value hotline is only here to supply you with information. 866-222-8231. That's the home value hotline. 866-222-8231. If you want to listen to shows on demand, go to savingthousands.com. You can listen to this show and hundreds of others or simply on your smartphone, download Saving Thousands Radio. That's right. You can listen to shows on demand or listen to continuous shows during 24 hours a day on the iHeart channel, Robert Palmer. Simply as that. And we're all saving thousands with Robert Palmer. 